Thank you very much for giving me this interview today. Um, I would like to start asking you about um, the Coventry Cathedral Cross of Nails. Um, the, it is the Coventry Cathedral is very well known for the Cross of Nails um, as the foundation for international peace promoting communities. Could you explain a little bit about the Coventry Cross of Nails? Of course, yes, I'd be really happy to do that. So the cathedral is well known for having burnt as part of the Coventry Blitz in November 1940. And that was a tr transformative event, of course, for the cathedral and for the city. And uh, in the wake of that burning, there were quite a lot of commitments made, particularly by the leadership of the cathedral, um, particularly in terms of working for a future of peace and reconciliation. And a number of symbols emerged around that time which somehow captured the destruction that had occurred and also symbolised the desire to move forward. They included the, re the building of an altar in the ruined cathedral from some of the fallen masonry, the erection of a, of a cross made out of some of the charred roof beams, um, the inscription of the two words Father forgive behind the altar, uh, which we'll come back to in a moment or two, and then the creation of the Coventry Cross of Nails. And a local priest picked up three of the, the huge medieval nails that had fallen from the burning roof timbers and tied them together, uh, one vertical and two crosswise nails, uh, to create the first Coventry Cross of Nails. And there's something about that symbol which has continued to speak to people through decades, um, obviously since that date. Uh, it's a symbol which speaks of Christ's presence with us right in the midst of destruction. Um, uh, and, uh, and so it's a symbol which somehow says, well, God doesn't abandon us in the midst of destruction. But because it's a symbol of the presence of God, the presence of Christ, it's simultaneously a, a symbol of hope. Why is it particularly the cross of nails, you think? What is um, so particular about this symbol? Well, I think there's a couple of things, really. Uh, one is um, the cross is always a powerful symbol. Um, it obviously has a huge weight of history behind it. Um, of course, it's a symbol of violent death in its origin, which is also one of the reasons why it's such a powerful symbol. Um, the fact that it's three nails often makes people think of a nail through each of Christ's palms um, or his wrists and a third nail, as it were, pinning his ankles to the cross. So it feels it's what we would call visceral, I suppose. It's, it's, it's in itself an extraordinarily powerful thing. Uh, but then because actually those nails in fact were um, uh, became available through the destruction of a cathedral, they'd held the roof together for uh, between six and seven hundred years. Um, and there were many nails on the site actually, so there were many different crosses of nails formed. There's just something about that image which has become very powerful. These days I um, find myself taking crosses of nails out across the world um, to present to new partners in our international community of the Cross of Nails. Um, many, many years ago we ran out of original nails, so we now have a symbolic uh, cross made. It's about 30 centimetres high and 20 centimetres across. Um, uh, and the crosses of nails that we have today are actually made in a prison workshop in Würzburg in former Eastern Germany, which itself just brings more layers of meaning and symbolism 
to the cross itself. And whenever we take those crosses out, uh, the week before I stand at the back of Coventry Cathedral at the end of our main Eucharist service on a Sunday morning, we bless the cross. We bless it as a symbol of Christ's presence in the midst of destruction, a symbol of his invitation to hope and to love, um, a symbol of partnership. And actually, when I take them out, it almost feels like like committing a child, really, something that's really precious to me, to, an, to another centre. And so I carry them out. We've learned we can't take them in hand luggage because actually a cross is, oddly enough, in some ways an offensive weapon, especially if it's made of metal. So you can't take them in hand luggage in, a, in an aeroplane. <laughs> you have to check them in the hold, which is just even more interesting symbolism, really. Thank you. Um... The Coventry Cross of Nails is known as a symbol that binds together an international network of communities. So you mentioned a little bit about the communities already. Um, um, communities whose stories have been touched by conflict or destruction. Which priorities do these international communities have and how do they achieve them? Okay, so for many years the, the, the crosses were given almost as souvenirs but then very much as signs of solidarity to anybody that had experienced destruction. And that would range from cathedrals in New Zealand, which had been destroyed by earthquake, to um, churches or cathedrals or other places in Germany that had been destroyed through acts of war. Um, I mean, much more recently, um, to the chapel next to the Twin Towers in New York, to a place destroyed by an act of terrorism. Um, uh, so initially, they were just really about, about destruction. Um, uh, and coming to terms with destruction. And there was a phrase that had been part of our history in the cathedral for many, many years, which was to heal the wounds of history. Uh, much more recently, we have put alongside that commitment to centres committed to healing the wounds of history two further priorities, which bring it up into the present and then look to the future. Uh, so healing the wounds of history really addresses the uh, divisions and damages of the past, but then today we look to learn to live with difference and celebrate diversity as we look around us in the present, learning to live with difference and celebrate diversity, and then to build a culture of peace. So those are our three priorities, if you haven't got them. They're healing the wounds of history, learning to live with difference and celebrate diversity, and building a culture of peace. There are lots of different ways of using those priorities, um, they were, incidentally, the reason why I applied for the job of Dean of Coventry, because I think when I saw those three priorities listed in the, in the job description of the cathedral, I thought, well, as an Anglican priest, frankly, that's why I believe I was ordained, actually, to, to make those a reality in the life around us. Um, but they look towards the future, and that often means just surfacing hurts that have been experienced or caused in order that they might be healed so healing the wounds of history and sometimes that begins with just addressing historic wrongs and we can look issues of restorative justice are really important to us but then we don't just look to the past we look around us in the present and learning to live with difference and celebrate diversity is equally important to us um, in the cathedral, I think we'll probably come on to this in a moment, but we try and offer a space for reflection and exploration of faith and prayer, not just for people from the Christian tradition, but from all different traditions. And so the ruins of Coventry Cathedral in particular are a gathering place, for example, for um, we host 
really enjoyed hosting an iftar for the local Muslim community, which began in the ruins and moved into the new cathedral. Um, and um, don't put these together in any way, it just happens to be a different example. But when we were, a friend of mine was wanting to start a, a Coventry Pride March uh, for the LGBT community really in Coventry, the ruins felt like the right place to start that because it was both about healing the wounds of history actually, some of the historic oppression, but also celebrating the diversity of the environmental community we have now. And then to look to the future, building cultural peace. So those are our three international priorities. Um, there are, today there are about 200 members of the community of the Cross of Nails, active members, um, uh, spread across about 30 different countries. And because those three commitments resonate so strongly, we've got um, people joining us all the time. So at the moment we've probably got about 10 or 15 new centres each year. Recently in America, actually two in Cuba just this year. Um, many more in Germany joining all the time um, and new places exploring with us in South Africa, in Israel-Palestine, uh, in New Zealand, in the Netherlands. Uh, really, it, it's, it, they're, they're priorities which resonate quite deeply. Um, could you um, ex give, give us an example, like, you know, when you visited a place, mm. um, a, com a community, um, how you feel that they live up to the same um, principles as um, in Coventry? Absolutely. Um, an example from two or three years ago, actually, was quite a small town in the north of Germany, not too, too far from Hanover. It's a, it's a village called Sievershausen. And in the village is a historic painting, quite a famous painting, um, from some of the continental um, wars. And it's a scene of a battle. And there's just, it's a civil war situation, there's kind of conflict on every side. And this painting has hung in the church for centuries. Um, uh, but then uh, a, a number of years ago, really, back in the 60s and 70s, I think, um, uh, one of the local pastors began to use the painting as a way of challenging young people to commit themselves to a world in which that sort of conflict didn't happen. And out of that developed a peace centre, just in quite a small, just ordinary place. Uh, but Christians and other young people started to come to the programmes run by that peace centre as they begin to learn about the challenges of diversity and be encouraged to become ambassadors for peace in their own lives. And uh, a number of years on, they heard about the community of the Cross of Nails and they thought, well, we feel quite small on our own, but if we were part of a wider network, we'd know that we would be receiving the prayers, the encouragement, the, the sharing of resources um, uh, from a wider network. So that was just, just one example of a, of a place which is, which is kind of doing education, if you like, uh, in that area of peace and reconciliation. Which ideas do you... Oh to which extent are these ideas important to um, be like to be communicated to especially young people? Uh, I think what, what we're trying to do of course um, is change the world. Um, <laughs> we're trying to, our motivation is to help the world become the kind of place where the destruction that we experience in Coventry does not happen. That, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, that's the, that's the gift that we feel we have that in the wake of destruction, we didn't want to, as it were, turn on those who were our enemies at that time uh, with retaliation, but rather to respond to work for reconciliation, because then, if you like, 
um, if it doesn't sound too much of a cliche, everyone wins. Uh, and in order to get that momentum for the future, of course, um, we need to work with an upcoming generation to help them recognise the fact that they're part of an international network of, of, of relationships um, where the things that, uh, as somebody said, the things that unite us are so much deeper than the things that divide us. So very extensively across the world, we're working with groups of young people. And we also have a network of schools um, uh, now called International Cross of Nails Schools or ICONs. And so those are schools where they feel that in the school life of the school, they have a particular commitment to the, the, the three priorities. And so we have schools actually, again, uh, quite a number in the UK, but also in the United States and in Israel, Palestine and in South Africa, just from memory, um, uh, where some of them have quite developed um, practices of restorative justice, obviously, the way that they work with conflict in the school, but challenging the schools also just to learn a little bit more about the diversity of the world in which they find themselves. Thank you. Um, coming back to the symbolism of the cross of nails, um, why do you think that it is particularly this symbol um, which kind of evokes um, or which kind of you know evokes specific thoughts in people's heads? What happens in people's heads that that the cross of nails become very, becomes very special? Um, I think uh, if you see a if you see a cross, for many of us, um, it brings to mind the image of Christ crucified. And so although the cross of nails that we hand out is an empty cross, it doesn't have the figure of Christ on it, if you hold that cross in your hand in particular, then for many people they're aware at some level that they're holding something which is actually an instrument of torture in their hands. It's an astonishingly powerful, quite a violent, actually, um, uh, symbol. And because of its violence and its power, it has a way, just as indeed Christ did on the cross, to connect with the deep wounds of the world. So, um, and I suppose you could say that, and because it's an empty cross, it actually also helps us remember that the story doesn't end, <laughs> doesn't end there. So it's actually got um, reality, the reality of crucifixion, but also the hope of resurrection built into that symbol. Um, I was told by my colleague who who took the cross to um, one of our new centres in Cuba just two or three weeks ago. And so that cross will sit in the church, physically in the church, on a side altar probably, and they will have prayers. The Coventry Litany of Reconciliation will take place each Friday there. Um, but as, they, as she handed the cross to that church community who said that they wanted to join our, our Cross of Nails, the cross was actually passed from person to person in the church service in which that... that um, uh, that liturgy took place, and I don't know whether they some held it, some kissed it, some you know it was a it was a powerful symbol. Um, it's quite a challenge to us actually, um, because we don't want the priorities of the community, the cross of nails, to be limited to Christians or the church. So what do we do with a with a symbol that is essentially Christian? Uh, well, there are a couple of answers to that. Um, the first thing is to say that we don't want to take anything away, detract from the fact that it's a specifically Christian uh, symbol. But uh, when I go and speak about our work on reconciliation to groups which are not themselves Christians, 
I have for some years taken a different symbol from the life, physical life of Coventry Cathedral. In the ruins is a statue of two life-size figures embracing, and it's called the statue is now called Reconciliation, was originally called Reunion, and and it's by uh, a, a sculptor who recently died at a very advanced age um, called Josefina di Vasconcellos. And uh, it's an image of two people finding themselves again after having been separated, perhaps by war, on continental Europe. But it somehow communicates some of the same movement of people who were divided coming back together. And so, for example, if I go and speak at a Sikh Gurdwara, then I will sometimes take one of those statues as a gift to leave my hosts. And in the same direction, we have are just starting a, a sister community to the community of the Cross of Nails, which is going to be called Together for Hope. And, uh, and that's going to offer an opportunity for people who sort of essentially want to kind of travel in the same direction as us, but aren't themselves Christians to do so. This leads to the last question. Um, um, taking an interfaith pers perspective now, and by thinking especially about more recent wars like those, or missions in Iraq, Afghanistan, um, Syria... Um, which role do you think um, can faith and religion have um, uh, to overcome hatred, violence and boundaries between people in order to facilitate um, reconcil reconciliation pro and peace-building processes? Yeah. Um, the, the relation of faith and religion to conflict is, um, is a very deep and troubling um, uh, question. Uh, and it is without doubt true that for many people their practice of religion is very bound up with their identity, whether national or cultural or tribal. And so when people feel the urge for whatever reason to go to war, one of the things that they'll often be using to strengthen their identity is their religious identity. So it can appear as if war actually results from religion. Um, However, if we're able to penetrate through to the heart of religion, to faith, to people seeking to be open to God, um, at some point they will all become open, more open to all of God's children as well. And so the real role of faith is to help us recognise that we are all children of God. And actually that's, that's a fairly universal understanding of what faith is. So we, they, we can then discover that we're part of one human family. And if faith is also somehow about being open to the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of God is always at work seeking us to open us up to one another, to breed love in our hearts, uh, and to actually discover that against all the odds, that not only is the person next to me my sister or my brother, but actually I can find love within me uh, for that person. So um, I, I believe really fundamentally that, that the role of faith and religion is to bring us back to the truth of ourselves, the truth of God and the hope of God for the future. Thank you very much.